How is it going, friends, family from all over the globe? I just want to tell you, I'm so thankful to be here with you, to be able to share a little bit of something that's on my heart and that I, I hope blesses you. As always, I never take a moment that I get the opportunity to share on a platform um, of any kind, whether it's in person, one-on-one, -on -one, or if it's on a stage or it's in my office. Um, it's amazing that I have the privilege and the honor to be able to share with you the gospel, to be able to share with you maybe a message you've never heard before, something that reawakens something in you. Uh, and so I just want to thank the lead team for giving me the opportunity and God Squad Church for trusting me as a, as a member of the staff and just being able to be here. So um, God is good uh, no matter what. And so something that in, in recent years I've had to, to mantra more and more that God is good. Uh, because I think we can lose it sometimes. We can lose the vision of what that exactly means. We can get lost uh, in our own problems and our own difficulties and in the struggles of life. And so remember, no matter what you're going through, that God is good. And I'm going to pray for just a moment and uh, allow God to do what he does best. Uh, I truly think that I'm less of a less of an instrument. Um, I'm more of an instrument in this case than, than I am, you know, anything else. So I'm gonna allow God to use me to be able to speak to you. And I just pray your hearts are open. So let's pray. Father, we praise you, God, Jesus, we lift you up. We magnify your name because you are King. Jesus, no matter the outcomes of today, no matter what our last week looked like, God, our last year, no matter if we've had loss, God, no matter if we've been sick, Father, no matter what has happened, Jesus, no matter if we've been through financial crisis, no matter if it's looking gloomy on all sides, God, even when David was surrounded by his enemies, he cried out to you, and you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And most of all, through the, the gloominess and the darkness of whatever that looks like, you're still there. That, Father, you've still granted us eternal life. That, Jesus, that outshines any darkness that could be going on in our lives. So, Father, I pray that you would move in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. A God, that for not one minute we would take that for granted. Jesus, I love you today. I thank you for filling my air with breath this morning, my, my lungs with breath this or my lungs with breath this morning. Father, I just pray that you would continue to move, allow our hearts to be softened, allow my words to be your words. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Yo, shout out to some people in the chat right now. Rock is rules, the double dub, AJ Valdez. Pastor AJ Valdez, that is. Susie Live, what up, what up, what up? The Rock Rules. I love God. Name, my name is Kolb. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Vix Geek. That's life. My boy, Lady Aju. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Cadbane, Earfields, Wolf Adventurer, up Ethan, River, Mordecus, and thank you guys for being here. I appreciate you. Give a little bit of a shout out to some. There's some others in the chat lurking, or if you're talking and I just didn't see, I apologize. It's so amazing to have you here this afternoon uh, or this evening, depending on when you're tuning in. So today, uh, today I have entitled this message, The Messenger and the Message. And some of the questions that I, I really want to answer today is, how do I make this life better? You know, I want to answer the question of why don't people like me? 
What's my purpose in life? How do I do better? How do I ultimately live this life to glorify God? And so I'm going to be reading today from uh, an incredible story in the Bible, and it's in Ruth chapter one. And to give you some context of what's going on in Ruth, uh, it's pretty amazing. And so there's a woman by the name of Naomi uh, who finds a husband, he who finds a husband finds a good thing, not just he who finds a wife. Uh, And she finds a husband, she has two sons, and those two sons takes wives, wives of their own. And those two wives are two women by the name of Oprah and Ruth. And so you have them living and, and they seem to be prosperous and doing well. And then Naomi's husband dies. And then so does Ruth's husband and so does Oprah's husband. And as incredibly sad as that is, it's even, it's even maybe even sadder for the people that are left behind because in this time, in this culture, to be a woman that is widowed, especially if you're somewhere around Naomi's age and you're older, it was most likely you weren't going to have any more kids. You wouldn't have had the providence that you needed to survive. And so this left all three of those women in a really odd, difficult spot. So what they would do is normally what would happen is the children, Ruth and Oprah would go back home. And Naomi did that. She, she said, you know, leave me. You guys need to go back home. Uh, you know, God has turned his face against me. You know, I'm living in God's bitterness is, is was her exact words. And that's what they should have done because they would have went home and they would have been provided for and they wouldn't have to worry about, you know, starvation. They wouldn't have to worry about being taken care of or, or, you know, terrible things that could happen in that day and age. But something unique happened in this situation where Ruth and Oprah both looked at Naomi and they said, no, I I don't want to leave. I want to be with you, Naomi. We want to stay with you. And Naomi again has to, has to say, no, guys, you, you, you need to go home. Leave me. God has turned his wrath against me. And with that declaration, Oprah's like, you're right. You're right. It's true. I should probably get out of here. I should probably dip. And I'm sure with a reluctant heart, Oprah moved on. And she went back home. But Ruth, as she's asked, says no. And Naomi says, you have to leave me, Ruth. You're, you're not going to be willing to wait. You know, I, I'm too old to have another, another son. And you're not going to wait for him to become of age to, to marry him. Like, are you, are you even able to do that? It's not possible, Ruth. We, 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 you need to go home. And Ruth says this in chapter 1, verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't plead with me to abandon you or return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely to me. If anything but death separates you and me. She makes a bold statement here and a devotion of love that is so beautifully written. 
and I think that it, it speaks so, so much to my heart and, you know, my wife and I, this is part of our, our, our marriage vows. My wife looked at me and it, this made me actually cry in my wedding, like nothing else. You know what I mean? Like I'd been with my wife for a long time. Like I knew this day was coming. I was prepared. You know, I was going to be like, oh man, man, not have to, you know, cry any bit, but she said this and I didn't know she was going to say this because it was in her vows and, and we, we didn't pre-write our vows. We, you know, did them from, from our hearts. And she said, you know, she said those words to me for wherever you go, I will go and for wherever you live, I will live and your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And there's a deepness to Ruth's declaration in this. And there was a depth when my wife said it to me and it was a confession, not just these words that mean nothing, but it was a confession that she trusted me, that there was a respect she had for my character and for who I was that mattered. And so when Ruth says this to Naomi, knowing all of the sacrifice she would have to go through, when my wife Jackie said this to me, I knew the sacrifice she said she was willing to go through because I told her my life was going to be hard. My life was going to be a, a life of mission. I wasn't looking for fame and glory and money. I was looking to glorify God. She took that sacrifice upon herself and she did it because she trusted me with my character. She trusted me that I was a person uh, uh, of the, the fruit of the spirit. And that's exactly what Ruth was recognizing in Naomi. Imagine the person that, that, that Ruth, that Naomi had to be in order for Ruth to take on this sacrifice. Imagine the type of woman my wife must be to deal with me all the time. You know what I mean? No, but it's, it's this idea that Naomi had to be somewhat of a stooped character, had to be someone that had the, the, the fruit of the spirit flowing through her in such a deep way for someone to care that much. And, you know, this is reconfirmed again in, in Ruth 119. And it says, so the two of them, so she's like, all right, what am I going to do, Ruth? Like after that, like, how do I say no to that? You know, Ruth in, in the book of Ruth in 119, it says the two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. And when they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival. And the local women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? In other translations, it says the whole town cheered at their arrival. This is building up an image for me of Naomi, of the person she must have been. Have you ever got home from a, from a long trip? Maybe you took a plane, uh, you know, to go on vacation. You came home and all of a sudden the entire town was celebrating you being there. With, with even your neighborhood celebrating you being there. Was even your next door neighbors celebrating you coming home? Maybe. But the truth of the matter is it speaks to Naomi's character, the person she was. She was someone that people gravitated towards. They were excited that she was coming home. Imagine the woman of God she must have been. Imagine the woman of God that you can be. Imagine the man of God that you could be. To be able to have such a fantastic effect on the people around you. I can tell you, I know Ruth, or I know Naomi probably wasn't someone that made people, pe made people feel terrible about themselves. She wasn't someone that made you, you know, 
not want to be around her. She wasn't someone that was depressed all the time or someone that was prideful or hurtful or angry all the time because people were drawn to her. So one of the things I'm getting at in this sermon today is the image you carry will either be elevating or diminishing personally and for the gospel. See, the messenger matters because the message is major. The messenger, the messenger matters because the message is major. We're going to get to that as, as we go on today and talking about what that means, what the message is, and what it means for us to be messengers and so on and so forth. And so what, what I want to understand is, are people excited to see you? Or are you met with like sighs and groans of that mooch is back or, you know, oh, here comes TJ again. Are people excited to have you in, the pre- in their presence? Are you getting invitations into people's homes like Jesus was? Are you someone that people are gravitating towards? Do you attempt to make others come to life by being such an amazing person? And when I say an amazing person, is someone that's pursuing after Jesus so closely that it's, it's, you're creating a culture. You're creating an atmosphere that people gravitate towards. Does your, pre- does your presence hinder the gospel or does it spur it on? See, I've been in, in, in some groups before and there was this one time specifically I, I was playing, I believe it was H1Z1, um, if my mind is, is not failing me, which it may be. Um, but I was playing H1Z1 and it was before I got on and one of my friends was like, hey man, I would love for you to jump in. We're going to play and we're going to do this thing. You know, I have some friends on, it'll be cool. And I was like, oh sweet, dude, I'm super excited. I'd love to play tonight, you know, you know, pop some heads, do my thing. And uh, well, in that game, you have to double click heads because it was helmet, then head. Uh, and so I was excited. I was like, cool, this is going to be great. And as I stepped in the room, which was a Discord channel, I stepped into that Discord channel and everybody was real weird. People weren't talking and they were like, hey, man. And it was like real somber. And I know my friend and he's a little bit of a lively character and it was kind of weird. He wasn't being very lively and it, it was just odd. And I was like, what, what is going on? Like, what did I do? <laughs> like, I did, what, what did I do? I felt like my presence was bringing like, like a sour taste to people's mouths. And afterwards I was talking to my, my friend and I was like, man, that was really weird. Like I felt like that was awkward. And um, I was like, did you perhaps tell them I was a pastor? And he said, oh yeah, yeah. They were just asking like who you were, what you did. And like, and I was like, bingo. They thought they knew me because of the label that I wear. And see, in contrast, I've gamed with people for years and they've never known I was a pastor. 
That doesn't mean I wasn't sharing the gospel. That doesn't mean I wasn't sharing my faith. That doesn't mean I wasn't promoting Jesus in every way I possibly could because he exudes from my heart. What that meant is I wasn't allowing them to take before they knew me and trusted me and respected me. I wasn't allowing them to label me because I know with labels, sometimes can come some destructive things. Just like in that H1Z1 group, I wasn't going to allow the gospel to be hindered because of a label. I refused. The messenger matters because the message is major. See, I love League of Legends. And as we talk about having the fruits of the spirit, I can promise you guys something. In my early days of League of Legends, uh, you know, my young 20s, like, I was not a good person. It's as simple as that. I didn't reject and reflect the toxicity of the community. Instead, I, I took it, I absorbed it, and I gave it out. I would be embarrassed by some of the screenshots if people had them. I'd be disgusted with myself because I was acting in a disgusting manner. Recently, so I played League of Legends for like three and a half years straight. I, I grinded, I was competitive at it, and I loved it. But the fruit of the Spirit was nowhere in me. If you said one word and you caught, like, you're catching words back. I wasn't patient. I wasn't kind. I wasn't spurring on goodness. I had no self-control. So I came back to league, you know, about a year ago now. And I had a different mindset when I stepped into that community. I had a mindset that I was going to display that goodness that God had in me. I wasn't going to compartmentalize my Christianity. And it changed so many things. So instead of meeting toxicity with more toxicity, I would meet it with kindness. And every once in a while, I might get a friend request from someone being like, man, I, I, I really enjoyed being with you. And I saw you, how you handled that other person or from that other person being like, I've had a bad day and I shouldn't have acted that way. I really appreciate you not reporting me. Like, you know, like it, it was crazy because things changed because the way that I went, the message that I carried was important. But I realized that this messenger and the way that I conducted myself, the only way they were ever going to hear that message is if they received me first. See, I truly believe we need to take time. We need to work on ourselves. We need to take time and self-reflect and draw closer to God. When I say work on ourselves, I'm not talking about just empowering ourselves within and doing things because, you know, we're great. What I mean is allowing yourself to become so close with God, allowing yourself to be so immersed within who he is and the things of him. I mean, praying diligently. I'm talking about reading the word of God. So that when you bleed, you bleed Jesus. So when you do turn the other cheek and you get struck, that the face of Jesus is what people see. Because if you just do it on your own and Jesus is out of the picture, you can take all the self-development, self-help books you ever want to have. But without God, you will still be the decrepit creature that we are without his goodness. That's just true. And so I'm telling you to build up within yourself by building yourself up within him. 
you can become a whole healthy, great person that people want to be around, that people want to invest in, that people want them to invest into them from. You can become a mentor to people, a coach for people. When you allow yourself to get alone with Jesus and allow him to rub off on you all of that goodness, when you start to allow the Holy Spirit and you start listening to what he has to say to you, We need to take time to work on ourselves. What you can do in your own power is limited compared to all that God can do in you and through you. See, some of you might say, well, TJ, like working on myself, like when you say that's, that's, that's selfish, taking time and working on myself and, and just focusing on me, shouldn't I be helping other people? The truth of the matter is, man, like, that's like saying I would hire someone for my finances that, you know, was a million dollars in debt. That's like, that's like saying I would, I would allow someone that had no idea how to control their own life. Tell me how to control mine. What's selfish in all of that, if you would think that this is a selfish thing to do to grow closer to God and to change the way you are, to become better for your family, for your friends, for your neighbor, for your employees or your employer. What's selfish is expecting your wife or your husband to make up whatever percentage of you is lacking. Which selfish is allowing your kids to look up to a model who is so far from Christ, but acting as if they know everything. What selfish is thinking you are enough to just get by. You have to be working on your relationship with God fiercely because these changes won't come in your own strength. Those deep-seated places of anger have to change that self-deprecation you might have that pride that eats you alive that constant complaining that pessimism that pessimism you know i call people that are pessimistic eeyores oh bore is me oh my life is terrible when is your life going to stop being terrible? When are you going to stop living under the dark clouds and the gloominess and see that the light of Christ is shining on you? Only when you draw closer to him. Because the farther you get away from the light of God, the darker it gets. If you continue to live in a place where everything is gloom and doom, you will never have an effective ability to preach the gospel. Some of you right now have had that in their mind. Why can't I do this correctly? Why does it feel like every time I try to share the love of God, it's not received? Look at yourself. The message is perfect. The messenger might be a mess. See, in, in John 13, 34... Christ puts it this way. It's basically sharing with the, the apostles how I'm going to go away. 
and you can't come. He says, but this is a new commandment. That means in addition to the 10, this is a new one. This matters. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Are you living your life as proof? Are you doing those things to be able to take down all of the obstacles that keep you from seeing people come to know Jesus? Are you the obstacle that hinders the message? Because the messenger matters because the message is major. The way you act as the messenger affects the message because the message we carry as Christians takes on a level of trust and respect to be received. I'm going to give you like an example here of how that's, that's true. If a doctor calls you up and, he, and you, you, you check your message or you get on the phone and you're like, hey, um, uh, hello? Hi, this is uh, Dr. Clark. Clark's office, uh, we just wanted to um, let you know that your lab results came back a little off and we would like to have a follow-up appointment to talk to you about um, some next steps. You're not going to hang up that phone and say, no way, not true. You're going to take that to heart. You, 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 that, that institution it has been recognized as, as something that is honest and something I can rely on and you respect it. So you're going to take that for what it is, but say you get a call from uh, hello. Hey, uh, this is uh, Al from big Al's auto yard. Click. You're going to hang up the phone immediately. You don't know who Al is from big Al's auto yard and from the, the predisposition of that organization and, and what that's been, been taught to you. You're going to think it's a scam. Like, why am I getting a call from this person? You're just going to hang up. See, one institution comes with built-up trust. The other brings skepticism to the point of not even hearing the conversation. Bye, Big Al. What happens if Big Al had something so great to offer, though? What happens if Big Al had drawn your name out of because you were at some community thing helping out and they got your name of volunteers and they wanted to give you a new car? You wouldn't even know because you've already blocked out the messenger. See, the messenger matters because the message is major. See, this is different. This can be a different perspective when you, when you look at it through the lens of Christianity because Christianity's reputation is so tarnished. Not a lot of people trust and respect that organization. You aren't going around carrying a message that people are excited for. They actually are the opposite. You're usually walking into a circumstance where your audience is skeptical and they already built up the narrative of what those Christians are like. 
They're already holding you at an arm's distance because they think they already know who you are by what they've heard. You're a homophobe. You're closed-minded. You're archaic. You're money-hungry. You're a hypocrite. You're hateful. You're self-righteous. You're a fanatic. So how are you going to break down that arm that stands between you and people? It's not going to be shouting louder so that they can hear you. But instead, it's going to be proving your worth and becoming more like Christ. You have an uphill battle to fight, and no one cares about the great gift you have, the greatest gift, because you never make it through the front gates of their trust. You come to their front gate with this gift, and they say, peace, don't come near me. I don't even want to hear you, Big Al. I was just watching a YouTube video where a guy was trying to give away a slice of a $50,000 pizza. He kept going up to people, immediately shut down. He wasn't even able to say what he was trying to do because people have preconceived notions. And there's also such a thing as a wrong place in a wrong time. Sometimes the message isn't the problem. The messenger is. Other times... I would say the messenger isn't the problem at all because the only obstacle that should be standing in the way is the message. Jesus should be the only stumbling block. So we should do anything in our power and everything in our power to become like Christ, to display those fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. To reaffirm that it's not always the messenger's fault, sometimes it's the message. Look at Jesus' life. In Luke 4, 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. Some translations say they stood at awe of him. Some people were like, they were absolutely blown away, astounded by this man. Because he displayed the fruit of the spirit. Because he was wise. Because he was gentle. Because he cared deeply. But see, he was the perfect messenger. But the message is a stumbling block sometimes. And so if you can become like Christ and you can become a great messenger, sometimes you still won't be received, but at least now you're being a useful tool rather than a broken one that doesn't accomplish what God has purposed you to do. In Luke 4, 28, you can tell this is when they get mad at the message says, when they heard all of this, all in the synagogues, they were filled with rage. They got up, they drove him out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they may hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. When we say message, we're talking about the gospel. And for some of you, maybe that have heard that word for the first time in this chat today. Welcome. We're so thankful that you're here. 
but I want to, I want to cue you in. I don't want this to be something you feel like you don't understand. When I say gospel, or we're talking about the message that we carry, I'm talking about the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. All in which led him up to be the perfect sacrifice, to stand in our place so that we could be reconciled in our relationship with God. So to become a Christian is, is really easy. It's realizing that I don't have what it takes to reconcile that relationship with God alone. It's that I need to surrender and submit to Jesus as King. That's what that looks like. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the gospel. I'm talking about wielding the words that have a, an eternal salvation to them. That you can be saved. The messenger matters because the message is major. In your life, there should not be one thing that stands between you and the sharing of the gospel. Let the gospel be rejected because someone has heard and decided in their own heart to reject Jesus. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're the reason, you're the obstacle, so help you God. This is crucial. Be a message carrier that lives their life in such a way that people gravitate towards you. Become relentlessly more like Christ so that you don't become the stumbling block because the only stumbling block should be the gospel, should be the message, should be Jesus. If you take one thing away from today, I want it to be this. You can be one of two people. Someone that attracts people so that they're open to hearing the life-changing message of Jesus. Or someone that repels people so that they never have a chance to hear your message. Or they tune you out because your life doesn't reflect the message you carry. The message matters because the message is major. The messenger matters because the message is major. Allow your life to be a reflection of what you want to see Jesus do. My challenge today would be to take time and write down the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You can find those. And see what isn't applying to your life. What area are you lacking in? And be self-aware. Take time and really dig down. Don't lie to yourself and see, where is it that I can become closer to Jesus in? Where can I start to align myself closer to what his image is? Because you're an image carrier of God. Your life matters and the message you have in you 
It matters. Chat, people, church, friends, I love you guys. And if no one's told you they love you today, I love you with my whole heart. Amen, amen, amen. Friends, can we get some hearts in the chat to thank one of our lead team pastors, Pastor TJ, for an incredible message. And I hope that's a message you'll take into your week. Really ask yourself the question, is my life creating opportunity or creating obstacles for people to hear the gospel? The way that you and I interact with each other in chat, the way that you and I treat people on Discord, at the workplaces, whatever it might be, are you creating opportunity or creating obstacles for people to either hear or be kept from hearing the gospel? And here's the deal. Every single week, we want to give people, whether you're hearing the gospel for the hundredth time or for the first time, we want to give you opportunity to respond. These messages are not just meant to just get some information and then walk away and having some knowledge. We want lives to be changed. And here's the deal. The story of Jesus, the fact that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and I. Why? So our sins could be forgiven. So we could experience what Pastor TJ talked about, that gospel, the eternity of heaven, the good news that you and I are forgiven. Here's the deal. Today, that truth, today, that forgiveness, that life change, that can be yours if you will make a decision to say yes to follow Jesus. You don't need somebody to guide you. You don't even need to say a special amount of words. It's about making a decision and a commitment in your heart that I no longer want to live my life of sin. But today I am making a commitment to turn and to follow Jesus. And here's the deal. I want to encourage many of you, maybe today's the first day you'll make that decision. We're so excited for some of you today that are making a commitment to say yes to follow Jesus. And if that's you, here's the deal. I want to encourage you. I'm going to put a link in the chat for some of you right now in the chat, exclamation point, next level. Click that link. We want to be able to connect with you. We want to celebrate with you and really, really give you some next steps on like, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to get water baptized? Why is that important? How do I start reading the Bible? What is church all about? We want to connect with you, have one of our pastors reach out to you and just say congratulations. And right now as a church family, can we just put some Jesus hype and some hearts in the chat? Because I'm just believing today, right now, whether they're watching literally the VOD, watching live, watching on YouTube, that people are saying yes to follow Jesus and the world is being impacted one game at a time. And friends, this is this is such a big deal. This is why we gather every single week so you and I can have our lives change by learning the word of God, applying it to our lives, being transformed, but also to see brand new people literally every single day, hopefully in the Discord, in our church services, saying yes to follow Jesus. And I wanna say thank you to all of you watching, contributing, participating. I wanna say also thank you to all of you that are giving. It's through your financial sacrifice that literally all of God Squad Church can continue to exist, can continue to impact people all around the world. And here's the deal, giving is a privilege to you and I have. Giving of our finances, when we trust God, give to the church, give to God's work to see lives impacted, this is not something we're forced to do. It is my honor to know that I get to give and sacrifice of my finances so that more people can be impacted. Maybe you're here, you were impacted by that message and you wanna be able to say, thank you God for impacting my life through God Squad Church by sowing a seed today. And here's the deal. If, num if you've never given a God Squad Church, there are multiple safe and secure ways for you to do so. Very, very simple. You're gonna see them on the screen. You can scroll down below the panel. Also, there'll be a link in the chat where you can give right through our website. You can give one time or recurring any amount that you are comfortable with, whatever you feel like you're able to do. Also, you can take out your cell phone. Everybody's got one. You can text the number 84321. Text any amount that you want, whatever amount that you're giving. 
every amount helps us to be able to reach more and more people so we can get the same story of Jesus that you're hearing here right now out to thousands of people literally every single week. 